award-winning Tennessee Wildcast is on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, wildlife watching, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching and for listening. we got a great show lined up for you today. We're still at the Elk Tower. Uh, it's been a great group of shows here, and this is the prime time, Matt. We are... At the tower, the new tower, which is an awesome place to be. And we've seen elk yes. running around. Isn't that awesome? Yes, the fall in East Tennessee, it's hard to beat. Weather's crisp, the, the football is in the air, hunting season is, is here, muzzleloader right around the corner, and we are here to talk elk. Yeah. Tennessee elk. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Uh, Mr. Brad Miller, Dr. Brad Miller, yes. is in the house, or we're at, on his territory here today. <laughs> but uh, he is our elk program coordinator, and he's going to get us up to date on all things elk, what's happening here in Tennessee, how the hunts went, uh, some of the studies and things that are going on. So I'm excited to, to jump into some of this. Uh, but you know what? Let's do a quick reminder. You know, tnwildlife.org is a great place to check out everything outdoors, hunting and fishing. Uh, and then get your license out there at GoOutdoorsTennessee.com. Uh, if you want to shop some of the swag, shop.GoOutdoorsTennessee.com is the place to get all that. But uh, I just wanted to share that with you guys, and we, and we just appreciate you all following us and checking out our resources there uh, on our website. Follow the, this show, like us, share us, and uh, help us get the word out because it's going to be a lot of good information. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. YouTube, mm -hmm. next door, next door. What else we we on? That's a, that's about covers it. Yeah, I think. but enough, yeah, isn't it? that's enough in our website, tnwild.org. You know, if you can't find it in one of those spots, you can't I find it. Know, I can't find it. Uh, but anyway, here we are, Dr. Brad Miller. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, Brad. You've been on Wildcast before. We've been in the old tower. We shot a show in the old tower with mm -hmm. you. Now we got the new one behind us. And uh, but just. Uh, share with folks who you are and what you do and and uh yeah so i've been with the agency about uh seven years now mm -hmm. it's my, my seventh elk season working elk season uh from east tennessee um yeah grew up hunting north cumberland uh, awesome we called it royal blue back then yeah and, uh, yeah then you know i've been uh doing the wildlife thing for quite a few years uh like like you mentioned i've uh, been bouncing around doing some different educational um, opportunities. I've been at University of Georgia, and and uh, hate to bring that up. They're coming up here real soon. But uh, but then I, I did my bachelor's and my master's at UT, and um, all have sinned and fall short. Well, you know. <laughs> been redeemed. Uh, but uh, you still bleed orange, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. sure. But um, yeah, kind of a, a deer guy by trade. That was a lot of my my research back in the past. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah. Really, uh, it's kind of a homecoming for me to get back to, to this part of the world and, and work with elk. Uh, when I was working on my master's, um, I actually helped with the elk project when they were just bringing them in back in, you know, 2000, oh, 2001. Wow. Okay. So yeah. um, it's kind of neat to make that full circle and, and get back here and, and really, you know, get your get your hands with uh, wet or, and just, you know, work with them all the time. Mm -hmm. Where'd you get your doctorate? It was at UGA. Um, it was looking oh, he at, went back to the dark side. <laughs> well, it, it was uh, it was looking at some uh, deer genetic stuff, some social behavior stuff, and some herbivory stuff, and um, management of deer to kind of avoid um, um, excessive herbivory where you get these compositional changes in the forest. Mm. But anyway, mm. uh, 
left there and, and started working in Arkansas as the deer biologist out there and and um, worked for the Turkey Federation for a little while back back in East Tennessee trying to make my way back home. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, been on here, you know, seven years or so and uh, a lot of changes in the elk program in the last, you know, seven or, or so years. Um, you know, we've been hunting them since 09, but uh, our tags of number of permits have st- steadily increased and mm-hmm. um, I was looking at the numbers earlier and, and we've taken uh, 95 elk. Hunters have taken 95 elk so far. Wow. Wow. And we're yeah. still seeing a, a steady increase in numbers of uh, population as we as we've seen, you know, as we study them and Sure. And that's cool. That's cool to see that you can have a huntable population in Tennessee now. Yeah, yeah, slowly growing. Um, you know, some of our uh, cooperative work with University of Tennessee, looking at, you know, our elk population and doing DNA work where you go get elk scat and you uniquely identify all these animals and, and you develop these population estimates from it. You know, it, it, it kind of shows that, um, you know, we're slowly growing and, um, you know, our, our public land right here in the middle of the elk zone is where we have a lot of elk and we're really trying to, you know, grow this area and provide more hunting opportunities and um yeah it's 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 a great program that's uh moving forward yeah so define scat for those who aren't wildlife (laughs) majors droppings did he say scat the poo yeah somebody has to collect the elk poo it's funny i analyze it i joked with some of the grad students you know we advertise this as an elk project come work with elk and a lot of time they're just picking up poo It's a real crappy job. Yeah. Oh, mm. yeah, yeah. That's there are some uh, maybe some crappy sides to some jobs. <laughs> you got to do working with wildlife. Yeah, still working with wildlife, getting that experience that one day they'll be out here doing exactly what you're doing. Some well, of the same work. When they yeah. get done, they really know they're they're crap. <laughs> <laughs> He's on we, fire. We could be here all day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so you mentioned some a little bit about, about the history of the elk program. But so it's cool that you got to be part of the early reintroductions as a student yeah so talk about how that how we've come from what 2000 we started reintroducing right yeah so it was uh over a several year period brought in a little over 200 elk and you know our best estimate of where we are now is you know 450 or so animals um we have our elk restoration zone which is where we said we're going to you know keep our elk put our elk it's a five county area um 700,000 acres give or take um so it's really big area but again right in the middle of it is our north cumberland wma which Mm -hmm. is roughly two hundred thousand acres yeah and so it what it was nine years before we hunted them so they they lived here and adapted and changed and reproduced and yeah yeah slowly growing and you know as i mentioned you know we started pretty small with just a handful of permits you know five permits or so and then over time we've you know we've expanded that um added an archery season and and overall increased the number of permits which is a challenge archery yeah uh, well yeah i tell you um our success in east tennessee rivals just about anywhere um this year our gun hunters went seven for seven whoa our youth hunter was successful our archery hunters there were seven of them they killed four bulls hmm. and two of the unsuccessful hunters missed so almost everybody oh, had an opportunity wow yeah. so that's all you can ask for yeah yeah really good and i think the weather really helped us this year there was that cool spell that came in and, and mm-hmm. uh i think the elk were really moving so have they been bugling a lot this year did the hunters get to experience that any at all yeah uh, that was something i was going to mention you know we we mentioned research earlier um last fall um, prior to bugling, we put out these devices called acoustic recorders, and it, imagine a you know a, a trail camera that listens instead of takes 
picture. So yeah. we had these deployed across the elk zone, and they're just out there listening. And we were able to look at uh, what time of day, elk bugle, how many times per day, and then the seasonality of when it really peaks. And it looks like, you know, the end of September is, is when it really peaks, and then it tails off after that. So, mm. you know, if you were to come up here and, and visit the, the tower, you know, you might hear a bugle, but, but really that, that last week of September, first week of October is really the peak when they're, they're talking a lot. Wow. I was hoping I would get, we'd be up here about the time, you know, trying to set get these to shows up. Yeah. And uh, late. A little bit late, but uh, it's good to know that you can come experience the fall colors and experience them bugling up here in early October. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's cool. A lot of bulls up here. Yeah. And just so people know, we've mentioned it before, but this area, this population is not hunted. This is not a hunting area up here at the Knob. Uh, this is right. solely for viewing, right? Sure. How big is the uh, closed hunting zone, safety zone up here for them? Okay. Um, here's where it starts getting a little tricky. Put so, it on the spot. You know, this field itself is about 35 acres, and we have a safety zone around this area that keeps, you know, all hunting away, whether it's, you know, deer, duck, turkey, dove, whatever. Yeah. You, you can't hunt. Um, but this unit, the Sunquist unit, currently we don't elk hunt in this unit. And it's a big unit. It's, you know, I'll get it wrong, but it's like 40,000 acres, give or take. Mm -hmm. um, that's something we're looking into. Uh, we've been deploying some cameras, trying to get a handle on how many bulls we have available that are not right around here, but but in other places where mm -hmm. we could have some, some future opportunities. So, okay, that, to be continued. Nice. Awesome. That's encouraging. Yeah, that's cool. Well, we, you touched on the hunting seasons a little bit, but... Uh, it sounds like a lot of them were successful this year. Remind folks that it's uh, uh, it's bull only, right? The hunts sure. are bull only. So, yeah. so, did we have any big big uh, bulls killed? Was there any state record set this year? No giants this year. We had a, a nice 300 inch bull taken off of uh, one of the Ed Carter units uh, zones, and um, you know, a lot of just good good healthy you know tasty you know tasty <laughs> elk yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, guys are just yeah. so excited you know and it's really neat for me to to get to you know meet these hunters and their their fathers and their sons and their best friends are coming with them mm -hmm. and they're all enjoying this and having this great experience together it's, it's really neat to see and, and folks you know they're, they're so thankful to the agency for you know for having this program yeah yeah, yeah i could see that that's awesome so so if folks do get drawn, uh, they're able to bring some folks with them, right? You got to bring folks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially if you're um, if you're archery hunting, just to, to make it easier to, to call in a bull. You can have somebody set up behind you doing the calling, get them in close enough to where you can get a shot. Um, they're not looking at you, you know, kind of like you would do turkey hunting with a buddy. Yeah. Um, but also, once an elk hits the ground, um, you know, I, I send out a, an info packet to all the people that get drawn. And, you know, one of my lines in it is think horse, not deer, because, you know, you're looking at a 500 to 700 pound animal. Um, you don't drag it. <laughs> no, <laughs> take no. off with it. Huh? So you know, if if it falls down in a deep dark holler, uh, you you better have some friends and some backpacks and, and know how to quarter up an animal. Yeah. So you can do that. You can quarter one out here. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And we we had some this year that uh, they they were just inaccessible any other way. Wow. I remember the first elk hunt back 2009. Uh, you know they. We had pack horses and, and all kinds of fun stuff in case we needed them, you know. Sure. They even packed one out just because, because <laughs> they wanted to do the expect to have the experience, yeah. you know, a full uh, out west kind of hunt, you know. Yeah, yeah. But definitely, folks, you know, bring their friends and their family, and, and they make it 
you know, just a, a great event. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it, you know, it's not necessarily once in a lifetime. Once somebody's drawn, they do have a 10-year period where they can't be drawn again. Mm-hmm. Um, so the chances of, of it happening again are not great, Pretty but um, you never know. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially with the, the raffle now, you know, you could uh, be the, the lucky winner of one of 10 prizes. And what yeah. last year, this year, actually, somebody picked the uh, Ford truck first pick so yeah you know you, you may be the lucky one to get to pick the elk hunt if that's your dream if you win sure. that rifle mm-hmm. chances are a lot better at winning that than winning the lottery i know, I know that oh <laughs> uh, yeah i'll have to keep putting my name in for a, a regular tag some for some reason they won't let us win the uh, <laughs> the uh, conservation rifle but anyway yeah it's that's pretty cool there's opportunities there's ways to have an opportunity have an opportunity to chase one of these guys out here Talk about the history of the, the elk program in general, because we were talking off air about the last known elk in the entire state of Tennessee prior to the year 2000 was killed in 1865 right. in O'Bion County, right. which is way out west, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's a long period with no elk on the ground in this state. So how did we get to the point where we were bringing these giant animals back and restocking them? Yeah, you know, I think uh, probably Kentucky beat us to the punch by a couple of years as one of the uh, first kind of southeastern almost states uh, mm-hmm. to really to, to go down this road and you know they brought in a lot of elk they brought in a couple of thousand elk and their wow. populations really expanded I think they have a 15 or maybe 16 county elk zone uh, or elk restoration area um, so you know we followed a couple of years after them and then uh, North Carolina over on the state line they also uh, kind of followed right after uh, these 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 North Cumberland animals and mm-hmm. um, you know since then uh, you know West Virginia and Virginia I mean everybody's uh, you know on the bandwagon sure yeah, I mean it's really neat just to to see these animals. I you know people probably don't understand just how big they are until they get up here and and really you know. It, well, earlier we had a cow walk by you know thirty or forty yards away, and mm. I mean they're just they're big. You they know, catch your eye. I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know it. We all were darting them up here a few years back and had one on the ground, and I got to get up beside that thing, and it's it's a massive creature, yeah, man. They're big. Blew my mind. I'd only been around white-tailed deer for the most part, so. Giant animals, and, and I don't want to go down this rabbit trail too far, but elk, bison, red wolves, mountain lions, and almost black bear, all those animals were extirpated from this state mm-hmm. at, at one time in the late 1800s, early 1900s, you know, because we didn't have regulation and protection of them, and just over-harvest, uh, land use changes, whatever you want to blame it on, but it's it, we, we have an agency now and a lot of partners that care about conservation, and bringing these animals back. I don't think we have a bison restoration program in plans, but it's just, uh, it's fascinating. Cool? <laughs> it would, but I don't think we're ever going to get bison back. But just, uh, it takes a lot to put that animal back on the landscape and make it work. So, Sure. And, you know, there's been, a, I, if I tried to list all the partners, I would leave somebody out. But, yeah. you know, it's just a huge group effort um, to, to make this happen. And it's been a great success story for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We talk, we're talking with, with Terry Lewis about, you know, his, his help on the property and the way he helped get this tower back and yeah. uh, get it, I guess, here, period. But uh, if you look at the kiosks here at the tower, you see all the partners on the signs and those who have helped bring them back and, and make things like this happen. So it, it does. It's a partnership for sure. One question I, I get asked is, you know, you mentioned it, Kentucky stocked thousands of elk, literally, and we stocked a little over 200. 200 you know, yeah. why were we limited to just only stocking a handful? Right. So Kentucky was able to go out in the western U.S. and, and get elk from a couple of different states. Um, 
we went a different route. We all of our elk um, came either directly or indirectly from Elk Island, which is um, a captive herd in Alberta. So this was an, uh, a captive facility that um, had a long history of, of testing for a whole variety of stuff um, with you know negative results. So we felt like this would be the safest source population you could find. Mm. Um, so we had elk come from Alberta from that facility but also land between the lakes their facility and their original source was also the elk island okay, animals yeah. so mm-hmm. um, that's what we have is, is elk island animals okay and, and LBL roughly how many are there do you have any idea oh I don't know yeah I don't really work with those guys but they got uh, buffalo or bison they there do too, right? and it's you know it's an enclosure yeah there. okay yeah but that's that was why that we knew they were tested and they were safe to bring here sure. and yep, yep. and we hope to keep that Safe here as well, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, with CWD creeping across West Tennessee, you, you, you pray and hope it doesn't make it over here. But um, one thing on hunting seasons I wanted to d- double check, and I, I, I think I know the answer to this, but is there any hunting off the re- the restoration zones? Yes. A couple of years ago, um, so, so when we brought elk in, we said, hey, we have this restoration zone. This is where we want our elk. We feel like they're compatible with mm-hmm. um, all the landowners and, and just, you know, acceptance. And we said we're not going to have any elk anywhere else. Right. So a couple of years ago, uh, we created this incidental take option where if somebody is legally deer hunting in Cock County or Union County or um, Overton County, whatever, and Off- they... Outside of an area. Outside of our five elk counties. If right. they're outside of our five elk counties and they're legally deer hunting and they see an elk, they can take one elk a year. Do they have to report it? Yeah. Check it yeah. So and there's a phone number in the guidebook that says call and, and I'll come meet them somewhere and I'll, I'll do what I need to do. But yeah, yeah it's mandatory of uh, carcass checking. Do you have many that are killed outside the no, zone? No. So we've had it. This will be our third fall and we've had one. Only one. Yeah. So they're not venturing outside of the zone too much, or if they are, people are tolerant of them. And right. They like yeah, to watch like them rather yeah. than kill them or yeah. something, yeah. yeah. And this one was uh, an elk that had come over from North Carolina. Okay, wasn't even yeah. a Tennessee elk. Mm-mm. Wow. Yeah. So it's, and that's that's kind of the point, is we're trying to prevent issues. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. Um, are the elk populations from Kentucky and North Carolina and our elk, are they interbreeding with one another, or are they pretty much doing their own thing? Um, not North Carolina. So we're... Far enough away. Far enough away, okay. for sure. Um, well, I can never say for sure, but <laughs> <laughs> probably far okay. enough away. Um, and we have, uh, we, so I mentioned some of the, the research we did with the University of Tennessee collecting scat samples, and we're able to, to take those and actually uh, determine the origin of, of that animal's ancestry, kind of mm-hmm. like that ancestry DNA thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, we uh, were able to see um, whether they're from Elk Island or they're Kentucky Elk, and we've seen a little yeah. bit of, of mixture. Okay. Yeah, so we definitely have Kentucky elk. We've had a couple of tagged bulls that were tagged in Kentucky um, harvested oh, in the wow. past couple of years. Wow, yeah. okay. Yeah. For cool. genetic um, diversity, is it good? To it's probably not a bad thing. Yeah. 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 Hmm. That's neat. It is neat. Yeah, and I, I, we've had a few questions on the, the elk, incidental take of elk, you know, mm-hmm. so that's why I asked because uh, I think some people get confused on that incidental take what yep. that means you know yep. so i that's i think we covered that you got to be outside the five elk counties yeah outside the counties and then uh yeah you're allowed to take one if it happens and you yep. want to so yep. a lot of people are they see that and they think that's too good to be true yeah that, it's a setup they don't want to believe it. like it, it is yeah. you know and i think a lot of people are, are maybe afraid to 
to shoot them for what will other people think or whatever the reason is. But that's an awesome opportunity yeah. if you happen to be in an outside the zone. I, if I had the opportunity, I knew I was right. I was in the right. Yeah. I'd, have to, I'd have to take yeah. it. It could be neat. All right. Um, tastes really good. <laughs> tastes really good. <laughs> Brad said. Be calling all my buddies. I got something to drag out. Mm. All right. So we you touched on some of the studies that you're doing. Anything uh, past studies you want to cover? And then I, I got a question about future studies. Oh, golly. Um, so we've got some, some publications that are coming out right now. And we'll try to get some links to some of that stuff put on the website. Um, we have an elk page on our website that's mm -hmm. got a lot of information. It's got our strategic elk plan that talks about a lot of the history, where we were and, and then where we're going. Um, and then it's, it's got some different documents. Um, we did a stakeholder analysis uh four years ago looking at residents in this part of the world and what they think about elk and it also had an economic analysis and it's it's amazing just the economic benefit of having elk in Tennessee yeah. to, the, to the tune of millions of dollars mm -hmm. um, but you know rather than getting in the weeds we've looked at what elk eat um, we've looked at relatedness uh, we've looked at diversity and then uh, tried to get some population estimates as well as looking at you know mortality causes um where elk live and move and that sort of thing so it, it's just kind of a whole gamut of of general elk biology stuff and you know it's something we started f about four years ago um and that's the first research we've had since really the elk were turned out in 2000 you know we had about three or four years of research and then you know a, a bit of a lag and we've picked that back up and um you know and you mentioned upcoming we're you know one component we're missing is really looking at our, our calf survival. We don't have good evidence of uh, um, if there's much mortality there, um, and if there is, what's the source. So we'll be catching some cows um, in January, February. We'll have a crew come in. Uh, if all goes according to plan, we'll have a crew come in from South Africa with helicopters, and they they shoot nets on them, and they do their thing and we immobilize them and wow anyway um <laughs> it'll be it'll be a really neat project uh, i have to have you guys come up and get some video and, yeah absolutely because um, that's really the, the thing we're missing we kind of know what our pregnancy rates are we know about survival of adults it's just the the calf component that we haven't really captured yet so once once that net wraps them up and you're able to get there to it what's the process what are you doing yeah it's crazy absolutely <laughs> insane sounds so, like something in a movie now well so they this company they'll, they'll be in a helicopter and they'll have a guy um fire a net on an elk um it gets all tangled up and they have guys that they call muggers that jump out of the helicopter and go hobble elk <laughs> and I, I'm, like a cowboy i guess yeah. yeah i mean it, it's i'm not doing it i promise Woo! you that but Interesting. Uh, then they'll bring it back and we'll, uh, we'll put it on a big flatbed trailer and we'll work them up um yeah. but yeah it's it'll be quite the rodeo so yeah. they just pick it up by the helicopter and <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i've got some oh really oh yeah oh i wasn't expecting yeah. that i thought you were gonna go to it no it'll be slung up in a cargo net and they'll they'll fly to us wow yeah, we're, we're coming up for that that's definitely that's yeah. a drop the tailgate for sure it's <laughs> a wildcat drop, a drop the, the tailgate that's everything yeah. uh so that's cool, and then you'll you'll be able to. You mentioned put transmitters in them and track them and know, and then be able to find their young, and and that's right. what that's the ultimate yep. goal. Yep. Okay, it's wow. a special transmitter that lets us know uh, when and where a calf is born, and we go find that calf uh, wow. within, hopefully, uh, you know, six hours of of being born, and we'll put a special expandable collar on them, and we'll be able to track them for twelve months or so. Wow, isn't it cool the work these guys do? 
It is. I'd love to to see all that. So make sure I get a call. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, all goes according to plan. Yeah. 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 That's neat. Um, you know, and knowing all that information is that's you need to know that you got to have that that data so you can right. know what the next steps are yeah yeah you know anytime not to, again not to get in the weeds too much but you know you hear people talk about population models and your model is only as good as the the data you use to create it mm -hmm. and if you're guessing on things yeah that's no way to, to roll so right. we'll have some some really good info that will uh, hopefully help guide some of our management yeah and uh, you mentioned collars. Is collars the only way, other than the transmitter you talked about, but there's collars. How else do you track these animals? I mean, you had the, the sound uh, cameras recorders. or whatever quarters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Is that pretty much how you... Yeah, I mean, you if you want to know where an elk goes, you know, get a, get a collar around its neck. Yeah. Um, it's really different nowadays than, you know, when I was first doing research and stuff where you had to go out with yeah with the antennas and i'm a little bit deaf in my left ear from it i promise it's crazy wow the beeping yeah yeah um but but nowadays you can sit in the office and it's gps collars and it just flies to a satellite and you can you'll know where real time it. yeah yes well i mean you can't exactly say okay let me look up collar such and such and go figure out where he is right now it's 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 one or two locations a day. The more locations yeah. the collar takes, the more battery it uses. So it just depends on how long you want your batteries to, to last for as the number of uh, locations per day you're shooting for. Sure, and every second of that elk's life's not as important as every day, maybe, of its yeah, yeah. movements. It, you kind of rotate it throughout the, the day, and, and you're able to see, um, you know, a home range, seasonal and annual home range. Man, tell me, these things, they look to me like cattle. They graze all the time. Mm. Is that primarily yeah. what you they eat up here or have they adapted to acorns and oh other they things? definitely eat acorns we uh we see a lot of bulls killed in the fall and we'll, we'll just open up their stomachs and just check it out and there'll be you know tons of crunched up acorns in there um it varies throughout the year uh late winter it's a lot more grassy stuff that's still green um autumn olive uh, japanese honeysuckle um shifting in the spring you get more um, forbs, you know, broadleaf weeds uh, that they'll they'll really consume those, and then uh, a lot of um, uh, you know twig tips and um, um, you know woody plants, and then into October, you know you'll, September, October, a lot of acorns consumed. Um, so it, it just varies throughout the year, but uh, they're they're kind of generalists. They'll they'll take advantage of a lot of different uh, opportunities. Kind of like a deer, they just adapt to whatever's available at that time to eat. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're, yeah. What gets them through the winter? Just the fat they put on in the. Fall? Yeah, it's one of those things you don't really have to worry about uh, animals starving to death in the winter. Um, you know, that's that's this lipogenesis. That's what they're doing in the fall is putting on weight that'll get them through the winter. Um, but they'll find things to, to browse on for sure. Yeah. Well, this has been very informative. I appreciate you yeah. meeting us out here and sure. letting us uh, come to your space and. I take the time out of your day for this beautiful oh spot. Gosh. I mean, the light, the sun's coming through the across the field and through the trees, and I'm like, man, this is beautiful. Uh, thank God for this this area Amen. and the beauty around us. And uh, October is a good time to be out here. In November, come see the colors, come see the elk, check out the new tower. Brad, thank you for what you do for the elk program and all the hard work. And uh, Matt. Thanks for keeping us up to date here in East Tennessee, yeah, sharing the information, make sure everybody's informed. 
Uh, this is Tennessee Wildcast. We appreciate you tuning into this series here at the Elk Tower. Uh, check out our other shows that we've had out there and keep coming back. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Stay connected with TWRA by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, it's all about Tennessee wildlife. It's what we do. Tennessee Wildcast will be on the air again next week. We'll see you then.